webmasterradio.fm. Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the Internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of Domain Masters. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm laid out on my back doing the show live from my bed in my bedroom. I blew out my back uh, uh, earlier in the week and uh, have a herniated disc, so I'm confined in my bed. So uh, if I slur my words, it's uh, the Percocet and the uh, Flexoril. In any case, I have two really great guests tonight, and um, we're going to talk about domains, of course, and, uh, and a really cool concept on, uh, on trade shows. Uh, my first guest is going to be Ramiro Canales, uh, who's uh, in charge of Cyber Capital Ventures. LLC. Uh, they own a portfolio of about 2,500 domain names. Uh, Ramiro is also uh, a former uh, assistant attorney general for the state of Texas and, uh, and a lawyer and knows a lot about trademarks and niche vesting and a lot of other cool things about domain names. And then uh, my second guest is going to be John Grosshandler, uh, who's in charge of uh, Ecom Expo. Um, he's the event director. Ecom Expo is one of the coolest concepts that I've come across in a long time. It's, an, it's a virtual trade show. It's like not leaving your desk or your home and going to a trade show, seeing booths, meeting people in their booths, doing business uh, all through chat and online interaction. And uh, we're actually going to be participating in our first virtual trade show in April, and we're going to talk about this concept. It's pretty cool, and I think it has a lot of good things to do with uh, what's, what's to come on the Internet and um, you know, networking on a different uh, platform. So we're going to break... Uh, we're going to break for a couple commercials, uh, pay some bills, and we'll be back on with Ramiro Canales. You're brilliant. Brilliant. At creating innovative ideas. Ideas. Building brand value and increasing customer loyalty. But when it comes to measuring, testing, and optimizing every online interaction, you need help. In the fast-changing new world of marketing, the web is where it's happening. Where it's happening. That's why a powerful online marketing performance management solution is the next major evolution for web trends and for you. Web trends. Web Trends Marketing Lab. You bring the art, we'll deliver the science. Learn more now at webtrends.com. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, text linkads.com. E-commerce marketer. 
Listen up. Ecom Expo, the virtual trade show for search, affiliates, and interactive marketers, is now completely free for all attendees. Imagine all the benefits of a top trade show coming to a PC near you. April 4th through the 6th, more than 7,000 of your peers will be there making it the largest trade show for e-commerce marketers in the world. The entire event is 100% online, virtual, and free. So register today at www.ecomxpo.com. And uh, what, what's uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. About one hundred and fifty grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by Rent.com and Shopping.com for a combined one point four billion dollars. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty, 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 Monty. the master of your domain. Monty. Literally, probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. Now, here's your host. Hello, folks. Uh, welcome back to Domain Masters. My first guest is Ramiro Canales. Uh, Ramiro is a, an attorney and a lobbyist in uh, Austin, Texas. Previously, previously, he served as an assistant attorney general for the state of Texas. He has an extensive litigation experience and very knowledgeable about trademarks and law uh, and uh, UDRP decisions. In September 2005, he founded Cyber Capital Ventures, LLC, a company that acquires, manages, and develops domain names. He currently serves as the President and Chief Executive Officer of the company and manages the extensive uh, portfolio of more than 2,500 domains. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Ramiro at the uh, Traffic East Conference. He's very active in in the domain name marketplace, and uh, it's a pleasure to have him on the show. Ramiro, are you on board? Monty, how are you doing? Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you, too. Well, I'm uh, I'm, uh, laid out with a little bit of a back injury, uh, as you probably have heard, but... uh, It's already here about that, so there's not going to be any skiing trips anytime soon or anything like that. Yeah, thank God for laptops that fit on your lap. You know, I can, uh, I've been doing business uh, for the last three days on my on my back uh, with a laptop on my on my on my lap. Just gets a little hot. Gosh, well, I wish you a speedy recovery because I know you're such an energetic guy, and I'm sure you're excited about all these upcoming conferences that are coming up. Oh yeah, we have uh, we actually have six uh, six shows in six weeks. Actually, six events going on in six weeks. So it's a pretty hectic schedule. Right, Fortunately, gonna uh, I'm going to be uh, not traveling until probably the middle of April due to this injury, so uh, yeah. the rest of my team will have to fill in. Okay. Anyway, how have you been? 
I've been doing okay, just, you know, working here, working in Austin, Texas, the music capital of the world, and I'm sure you've heard that South by Southwest, one of our biggest music events in the country, just started today. Okay. So 6th Street, which is akin to uh, New Orleans, is, is, is partying tonight, loud. Loudly good, tonight. Good. So, well, so no, I'm doing okay. Just you know, busy. Uh, we got you know, to do this little old radio show instead. Yes, definitely. You know, <laughs> you know, I am I am honored to be your guest, but I definitely want to congratulate you, Monty, on that sale of On.com. I was shocked last night when I saw that figure, but when I saw your name, I knew you knew what you were doing. Yeah, we we did. We did a quick uh, kind of a quick turnover, so uh, we were able to sell On.com for six hundred thirty-five thousand dollars in the last uh, week. So it was a nice transaction. That's excellent. And, and next time I see you, you will at least buy me one beer. Yeah, I will. I will when I see you. <laughs> at least that much. At least that much. Well, let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, give us a little bit of background about your, uh, just uh, kind of where you came from from a business standpoint. I uh, see you have an interesting background. Was You were the former assistant attorney general for the state of Texas. You must have seen a lot of crazy things uh, in that uh, position. You know, Texas, is it's a, it's a whole other country in this state. It really, really is. But, you know, with regards to, to domain names, I started back in 1997 when I was clerking at a law firm. I was still in law school, and I saw that this law firm owned a domain name, and I was kind of curious, like, how do you get one of those? So I started doing some research, and I bought my very first domain name, which was publictrends.com, because I was, you know, very interested in looking in, you know, things that government was doing. So I bought that domain name, and I started buying additional domain names, and what started off as a hobby almost nine years ago has turned into a business, something bigger than what I anticipated. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I mean, when I met you in Delray in October, that was the first time that I had ever been exposed really to the industry. I had all these domain names uh, sort of in a chest in the attic, and I realized, you know, I have to do something with them. So I decided to uh, to venture out to Florida and find out more about this this industry, and I started to realize that, you know, some of these domain names that I have actually have value. <laughs> so yeah. I decided to go on ahead and, uh, you know, form the company, Cyber Capital Ventures, and, you know, acquire some domain names, develop them, and, uh, and see if, if I could put my investments to good use. Good, good. So you've, you've built up quite a portfolio. You have about 2,500 domain names, I understand. Yeah, right. What are, what are some of the top domain names that you feel that you have in that portfolio, and how did you acquire them? Some of the top domain names are my Wall Street names that I own. I own uh, WallStreetInsider.com. I also own WallStreetGuide.com and WallStreetJob.com, as well as WallStreetAdvisor.com. Oh, cool. and, and those domain names, I mean, I, I acquired them through Drop drop catching services others i was just up late at night and realized that it was available yeah none of us have ever done that stayed up late at night and registered. right <laughs> you know i've met some very interesting folks and domainers as a group are very interesting characters i mean we're very entrepreneurial in spirit but you know i mean those are some of the domain names that that i acquired early on and and i you know what i'm hoping to do in the very your future is sell some of those domain names. I mean, clearly, I mean, I'm not a Wall Street type of person, but I see the value in those kind of names. I have other interests. I mean, my interests are more in political type of names and Republican and Democrat type of names, and I've sort of, uh, you know, developed a niche for that. Yeah. And I have hundreds and hundreds of generic names where, where you know, I mean, they have you know, brandability, and that's sort of like my personal interest. But these Wall Street names, um, you know, I'm starting to realize 
might have some value to the right buyer. Well, uh, just uh, I'm sure you remember, but uh, we sold uh, WallStreet.com for uh, $1.3 million back in 1999. So Wall Street names do have lots of value, and uh, hopefully that carries over for you. I hope um, so because, you know, I mean, you know, I mean those, those are some of my high-profile names in my portfolio. Of course, I have others, but, I mean, it's just something that I realized, you know, uh, with the trends in um, – you know, what I call niche vesting, I mean, you know, folks are starting to find certain types of domain names where they can develop, you know, sort of corner the market. And I have these names here that I think that hopefully somebody out there would be interested in because I'm sure there are folks who follow Wall Street more than I do. Right, right. And, you know, that's a nice approach, to, you know, to go niche vesting. We talked to a couple of folks in the last several weeks that's been very successful, that have been very successful doing that. And uh, when you, when you, uh, you know, capitalize on a niche, um, and you find somebody that has a need for that niche. It's uh, it's like finding that very special house or that very you know that very unique piece of property um, that somebody will want to desire um, you know in the future. Definitely, and you know sometimes the way that I mean the way that I compare it to is instead of buying a lot, why don't you just sell the whole subdivision to somebody? Right. And and uh, and you know there are folks who are willing to buy portfolios, you know you know that don't have any trademark issues and are generic and can you know and can provide some sort of revenue stream for them. But you know that was my approach when I started back in 1997. Was um, you know I sort of wanted to you know to 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 focus on a particular market, which in in my particular case was the political and campaign market, and you know. One of their names that I currently own is politicaljobs.com, which I have not developed, but it's out there for, um, for, you know, for the right person. But I just, you know, what I decided to do was just, you know, focus and sort of have, like, my own corner of cyberspace. And, you know, this was only a hobby, Monty, and it turned out into something way bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Way bigger. And, I mean, you know, and I consider myself to be one of the, one of the small domainers because I've met a lot of folks with thousands and thousands of domain names. But I just kind of, you know, I sort of focus sometimes on the quality of domain names rather than on the quantity. Right. So, so you know, I mean, those, you know, that has been sort of my approach is sort of, you know, if you can offer something to somebody and if they have a, an interest in a niche, then I think that your bargaining position would definitely improve. Now, your, your background, though, gives you kind of a unique approach. Not only are you an attorney, but you were also the assistant attorney general for the state of Texas. You already mentioned that you have a little bit of a political niche for your domain names. But tell us a little about, we've had a lot of discussion on the, on the show in the past with uh, some of the top lawyers in the industry about trademarks. Um, but typically, they're advising people on trademark, um, you know, uh, cyber squatting and trademark um, handling of cases. They're not necessarily buying names for themselves, and 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 you know, keeping that in mind. You, as a domainer, are now. I'm sure you're focused as a, not not as a domainer, but also as an attorney um, about when to buy names, what kind of names you need to pick up, and what kind of research you need to do ahead of time. Why don't you give us some pointers on? the best way to buy domain names and make sure that you're not violating somebody's trademark um, using a lawyer's, you know, a domain or lawyer approach? Well, you know, I mean, if the trademark is registered, I strongly recommend that folks do a search on the U.S. Patent and Trademark website, which is it's a, it, it's at USPTO.gov. And if somebody already has a, a trademark for that name, I would not invest any money in that. Now, of course, there are there are some lawyers who would argue. Well, it depends in the category of services 
that that trademark was registered in. And yes, there are some cases where you could make that argument. But recently, I've been very concerned because I've seen uh, uh, some domain names that are that are typo squatted domain names of very famous brands and trademarks. People are paying thousands and thousands of dollars, and and I would not advise, you know, investing so much money on a typo name because for fifteen hundred dollars, somebody could take it away using the UDP UDRP process. Yeah, I mean, I mean right. it. It's just not worth the headache. But I think, you know, what folks need to do, I mean, at least if it's an American-registered trademark, they could do a basic search online. And if the domain or if there's a mark out there that is similar or identical, then I would caution them not to invest so much money. And one of the things that I offer some of my clients, Monty, is I do what is known as a domain analysis. Okay. And a domain analysis, it's sort of it's a legal document that I prepare where I where I advise people that before they invest so much money in, in a domain name, I ad, I sort of show them what are the legal risks associated with the name under the UDRP and the Anti Cyber Squatter Protection Act. Okay. So before somebody invests so much money, I put it in writing and I show them these are the legal risks associated with this name. It's sort of doing due diligence. Right, right. Now, and, now and what about yes. what about the um, the unknown trademark names, though, the ones that have common law protection or use protection that you can't see in USPTO.gov? Well, see, the, I mean, that's where it gets very tricky. I mean, what I would advise people is do a Google search. Do a Google search and find out if there's a similar domain name out there because clearly the UDRP protects owners of common law rights. I mean, of common law marks. Now, you know, but if, I mean, just because somebody has common law rights in a trademark uh, does not mean that someone else cannot register that particular name, because even though someone has common law rights, they have to prove secondary meaning in order to acquire those particular rights. Right. So, I mean, somebody may, may have used a mark in interstate commerce, but it doesn't necessarily rise to the secondary um, meaning level to actually afford you protection under the UDRP. But I mean, I mean, my advice to folks is before you you invest a lot of money, especially on typo squatted names, is you know you know be extremely careful because sooner or later you're going to get a cease and desist letter from some corporate attorney, and your investment's going to go down the drain. Right, right, and a lot would argue that it's it's how you use the name anyway. I mean, you could have um, you could have something that's closely related, or even 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 the same name as a trademark name. But if you're using it completely different, so you you can prove your case and and be protected. It doesn't mean you're going to be at less risk of being accused of cyber squatting, and right. you might have to defend yourself. But right. um, you know, um, some people want to take those chances and make sure that they defend their rights to a domain name if they have um, have the rights to do so. Right, and I think you know the word cyber squatting has a very specific legal definition, where I think it's being used very loosely nowadays. Where you know, if you're a cyber squatter, you have to show that I bought the domain name and purposely contacted the trademark owner to try to you know say, hey, give it to me for a high price. But I mean, I have read so many UDRP cases where one, there's no consistency in the system. It really depends which panelist you get and what type of evidence you present. And, you know, some of, some of the domain names that I think, you know, are generic in nature, uh, the alleged trademark owner wins because the respondent does not respond. 
right, right. at all. And I think that, you know, if, if, if somebody owns a generic term that is descriptive and, and, you know, and you feel that, you know, someone does not own a trademark, respond to that UDRP because, I mean, a UDRP complaint is, you know, that type of proceeding is what we call like a motion for summary judgment in a court of law. Right. The panel is only going to look at the evidence presented, and if there's not enough evidence there to meet those three elements, then it's going to be denied. And, and I've read some very interesting cases where, where, you know, some owners were represented by big-time law firms, and they still lost because they did a sloppy job presenting evidence. Right, right. So, but I mean, you know, I mean, I know that it's very difficult for folks when they're buying up, in, you know, domain names, which are very valuable intellectual property, to do a common law search. And I've read cases where really no one is really required to do that kind of search before they buy a domain name. However, I would caution people that if you're going to spend thousands of dollars, you have to protect your investment and do due diligence before you get, you know, slammed with a lawsuit or a bad UDRP decision. Right. Now, now the other side of it is, obviously, is um, if you do get um, called in uh, to defend the case, it, you should definitely, I mean, I, I greatly recommend to our customers that if you truly believe that you have a right to own it or if you're using it in a different way, that you defend yourself and not just give it up. Not only does it set a precedence for, for other cases that are to come, but also it, um, it also uh, puts, puts the complainant party in, the, in their place and, and it shows that you're not just going to roll over and give it to them if it's a confusingly similar mark and you have rights to it as well. Exactly. And, you know, that is very good advice because, you know, I mean, like I said, some of the cases that I've seen, I'm like, I'm asking myself, why didn't this person respond? They had a very good case. You know, but, you know, some folks, I guess, you know, they're not attorneys, and whenever they get these legal documents, I mean, they get scared. I mean, and since, you know, because I'm a trained litigator, I'm used to this kind of stuff. And when I do my own investments, when I do my own purchases, I do my own due diligence. I go out there to make sure that I'm not infringing on anybody's rights because I own a trademark and I have other pending trademarks, so I know how important it is, you know, to protect the rights of trademark holders. But you know, Monty, the way that I got involved in trademark law was was um, when C-SPAN tried to trademark one of my political domain names. Oh, really? <laughs> C-SPAN what, what tried to trademark one of my domain names, and I had to teach myself trademark law because I could not afford a huge trademark lawyer here in Austin, Texas. So I taught myself trademark law, and I went up against C-SPAN, and I won. Oh, great. What was the domain name in question? It, it was called CapitalSpotlight.com. Oh, great. And so you you know, what had happened and, uh, was that C-SPAN had registered the .NET and the .org, and when I was, you know, when I was doing research online, I realized that they were trying to trademark the name Capital Spotlight, and they were offering the same legislative services that I offer, and I said, wait a minute, if they get the trademark, I'm going to get a cease and desist letter. Yeah, got So, you know, after doing, you know, my research, I opposed the trademark application, and I got a default judgment against them. They did not respond to the to the request by the judge, and and I won. That's so, great. I mean, that's that. that's that's so how I got the, involved in trademark on, law. on what you were going to do with your portfolio. That's for sure. Right. So I'm like, you know, I mean, and I was very concerned because I think a simple phone call from C-SPAN would have resolved this issue. But you know, I had a, 
I mean, I had to defend my intellectual property because I know that once you get a cease and desist letter, you are put on notice, and that could be evidence against you in court. But I was just, I mean, that was my very first trademark victory, and it was a good one. Yeah, definitely. So to walk us through a couple of the domain names, have you developed any of your properties out yet? Yes. One of my, one of my domain names that I own that I just got a registered trademark in about um, a month and a half ago is mycapital.com. That's a nice thing. And my capital is, you know, when I came up with the concept back in 1999 was, you know, uh, because I'm involved in politics and doing legislative work, I said, well, my capital could be a portal for all sorts of legislative and political information. So what I did was I started buying properties around my capital. So you were well, looking from the political standpoint. Automatically when you said that, I was thinking my capital, my, my financial position, my money. Right. So it actually has a couple of different meanings then. Right. To me, my capital is capital of the building. Right. That, capital of the building, that, right. You know, there are 50 state capitals, so I said, my capital, this is going to be a portal for legislative information all over the country. So I started buying out properties around it, like Capital Spotlight, Capital Insider, uh, and others around it. So that's sort of how I developed you know, you know, I bought this piece of land in cyberspace, and I bought the adjoining pieces of land. And mycapital.com is my hobby site. It is something that I do for fun. It is to, what I do to relieve stress. But it is, a free, it, it is a free information site on all sorts of legislative campaign political events. But, you know, that, that is my baby. That is my passion. And I own the trademark. That's great. That's great. And, and, I mean, you know, one of the things that I also get asked, Monty, is, you know, whether you can trademark a domain name. And the answer is, yes, you can. But there are, you know, there are stringent rules that the trademark attorney has to adhere to. But it is possible to trademark a domain name if it can be used as a source of identifying the good or services that somebody offers. And, you know, my advice to folks is, is if you have a... A, a domain name in which you've invested money in, trademark it. So um, let's wind up with that then. Let's uh, go over like the key things that you need to do to trademark a domain name, which is different than trademarking, um, you know, an idea or a mark. Uh, um, right. You know, when you're when you're trying to trademark the, the domain name itself with the .com on it, because you don't see too many of those. Right. Well, you know. <laughs> Someone can file a trademark, you know, uh, whether it's with the whether it's with the TLD or without it. But if somebody wants to, you know, protect the .com, then you know they can file the 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 domain name with the extension. And what I advise people is to be very careful in the description of the goods and services that they're going to offer because you cannot modify that to include other things. You can only delete. But clearly, once you file that trademark, it gives the public, it puts the public on constructive notice. So if somebody tries to register a domain name that is similar or identical to this pending trademark, then if you file a complaint, you could at least make the argument, hey, even though I did not have the registration, there was constructive notice that this was pending and therefore I had rights. Now... The most important thing that, that people need to remember is the mere registration of a domain name does not give you rights. You have to use it in commerce. And using it on the Internet, either through a website or a web page, and putting the mark on those pages, 
that puts the public on notice that you have legitimate rights in that domain name. What about proof of, of concept, though? I heard that you could also defend if you had the... Um uh, the intention to use a market, and you just haven't got around to using it. Does that right. hold any ground in court? Well, you know, there are two ways. There are two ways that you can file a trademark. It's either you are currently using it, or you intend to use it, which is called a one B filing under oh, okay. trademark law. And you can file it under those two situations. If you use, if you are currently using it, then use it under under the one A filing, which is I'm currently using it. But you, but if you intend to use it. Under 1B, you're still providing that constructive notice because before the mark is registered on the principal or supplemental register, then you are given what is known as an allowance to prove that you are using this mark and therefore it is subject to registration. But I mean, even if you intend to use a mark in interstate commerce, then I would file a trademark under 1B which is you plan to use it in the future, and you haven't used it yet, but, the, but you will be allowed the opportunity to do so and therefore still have rights to that mark. Well, great. That's great advice. That's great advice. Well, anything else you want to um, give uh, you know, a point or two about um, being successful in the domain name business to the listening audience? I think you know, follow your passion. I mean, this is a growing industry, and sometimes you have to go with your gut on an investment. I mean, I've lost so many domain names because I didn't go with my gut, and I decided to do some research, and I lost the domain names. But, you know, folks who are interested, I definitely, you know, be very careful about trademarks. I think we're going to see some congressional legislation in the future on this issue, and I think it's going to get bigger and bigger. But be very careful and also... You know, um, expect the best from the industry. I think this is going to grow. And your sale yesterday, Monty, I think it's going to set the trend for this year. Yes, it, uh, it certainly is. That's why we posted it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And hopefully I can sell some of my names, those Wall Street names. I hope there are folks out there who are interested in those Wall Street names. Okay, well, great, Romero. We really okay. appreciate your time today and um, and uh, and your advice on the trademark side of things and your experiences uh is not only a litigator and a, uh, a former attorney, but somebody that uh, has taken your knowledge and, and gone and invested in domain names as well. Thank you, Monty. Good luck with MyCapital.com. Thanks a lot, Monty. Take care. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, we're going to do a little break and uh, be right back on with John uh, Grosshandler and talk about Ecom Expo. Uh, hang on. You're just minutes away from more Domain Masters. Be master of your domain. Stay tuned. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. 
You're brilliant, brilliant. at creating innovative ideas, ideas, building brand value, and increasing customer loyalty. But when it comes to measuring, testing, and optimizing every online interaction, you need help. In the fast-changing new world of marketing, the web is where it's happening. Where it's happening. That's why a powerful online marketing performance management solution is the next major evolution for web trends and for you. Web trends. Web trends marketing lab. You bring the art. We'll deliver the science. Learn more now at webtrends.com. Your brilliant. Listen up. Ecom Expo, the virtual trade show for search, affiliate, and interactive marketers, is now completely free for all attendees. Imagine all the benefits of a top trade show coming to a PC near you. April 4th through the 6th, more than 7,000 of your peers will be there, making it the largest trade show for e-commerce marketers in the world. The entire event is 100% online, virtual, and free. So register today at www.ecomxpo.com ClickTracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, ClickTracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what ClickTracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Now, here's your host. Hello, folks. Uh, welcome back to Domain Masters. Um, my next guest is John Grosshandler. Uh, he is the founder and event director for Ecom Expo, the virtual trade show for e-commerce marketers. He has overall responsibility for the semi-annual event. Uh, before founding Ecom Expo, he has uh, he had 20 years of sales experience and marketing experience. He's one of the best sales guys I've ever met, by the way. Um, I, I had the pleasure of meeting John at the uh, web uh, at uh, at the um, PubCom and Webmaster World in uh, New Orleans, and uh, we hit it off. Uh, or I guess it was in Las Vegas, actually. And um, if anybody doesn't think this uh, virtual trade show idea is not serious, um, folks such as Yahoo. Um, MSN, LinkShare, Performix, uh, Webmaster Radio, us, uh, and a lot of other big companies are all sponsoring this event. And uh, this is truly a, a unique offering to uh, to everybody that's on a computer. Uh, John, you're on board? I certainly am. Hello, Monty. How are you? I'm uh, hanging in there. <laughs> Laying horizontal, baby. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so anyway, uh, this is such a cool idea, and uh, obviously we're signed up to do it, but uh, give us a little bit of a background about what Ecom Expo is and how you created a virtual trade show online. Well, I appreciate the question and the opportunity to be on your show. Um, we're very excited for the event. It's now just three weeks away, April 4th through 6th. The story behind Ecom Expo is that it's the virtual trade show for 
e-commerce marketers. So you and I uh, actually met in Vegas at Webmaster World probably last November or so, but a lot of your listeners, uh, whether they be domainers or SEO folks or webmasters, etc., are familiar with the ad techs and the SEOs and the SCSs and the Webmaster World shows of the world. If you sort of take all of those and combine them in terms of uh, who they appeal to and the type of uh, you know, experience you have at a SES, for example, but you put it online, that's what our show is. So if you imagine going to Ecom Expo um, April 4th, the event is free to attend. Um, we'd love your, your listeners to register at www.ecomxpo. Register for free. Come to the show on April 4th, and what they'll see is all of those exhibitors that you talked about, they'll be able to see uh, educational presentations by the top speakers you're used to at an SES, like a Chris Sherman from Search Engine Watch or a Jennifer Laycock from Search Engine Guide or a Heather Lloyd Martin or Andy Beal or Declan Dunn, all speaking at our event. So there's the education, there's the exhibitors, so you can actually walk into a virtual booth, which is really cool. You can have a chance to win prizes like trips to Vegas and big screen TVs. And uh, basically, though, it's a networking frenzy where uh, people are able to use instant messenger and email and Skype and stuff like that to interact with exhibitors and presenters and each other. Um, so it's basically everything you think of as a trade show, just online. Yeah, that's really cool. So you're, you're actually going to go into the, in your computer and go see booths and everything, visually see the booths and see the people that you're talking to by pictures or caricatures uh, uh, of those people. Is that correct? It is. In fact, you know, yours and my experience was somewhat similar in that, you know, we met and I shared the idea with you and you're like, you know, what the heck is that and why would I want to be a part of it and how does it work and what do you mean I have to pay money to exhibit and it's what we get from all of the big exhibitors and the big names like Moniker who choose once they learn about the event to want to be a part of it so whether folks want to exhibit or in this case just attend given that we've sold out the exhibit hall for the third time in a row um, you really sort of have to see it to believe it so we've got a free tour on our site it's like a two-minute tour that would give somebody a feeling for what it's like to actually do a trade show online. So visually, it's very compelling, um, and uh, it's pretty exciting. So um, how many exhibitors are there, and how many attendees are expected to, to attend the show? Great question. So um, we will probably have between 160 and 170 exhibitors uh, at this show. Uh, we'll have over 7,000 attendees. Uh, and again, it's, uh, it's SEO folks, it's SEM folks, it's publishers, affiliates, advertisers, retailers, networks, and vendors, uh, both as exhibitors as well as attendees. Great. And, and, and again, uh, people are going to be presenting, um, having presentations that they're, they'll be able to view online when you go. Do you have to go to a particular booth or a particular s- uh, section of the, of the website in order to see those presentations? Do you go like into virtual rooms to, to view those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, not unlike a traditional trade show, there's once you go to the www.ecomexpo.com site, uh, there'll be the different areas. There'll be the exhibit hall. There'll be where you can communicate with people. There's a virtual lounge. And then there's the educational arena where those folks will be presenting. The presentations are a lot like uh, webinars or webcasts for your listeners who are used to that format. Um, we've got three keynotes we're very happy about um, Anne Holland, who's the uh, publisher of Marketing Sherpa. We've got Brian Eisenberg, who's the best-selling author of Call to Action. We've got Jeff Ramsey, who's the CEO of eMarketer. And then we've got about 15 panels made up of some of the top names in the, in the business. What's neat uh, and why I'm so happy with Webmaster Radio is that they are not only our official radio sponsor for the event, but they will be streaming live all of this content 
during the three days of the show, April 4th through 6th, so that the presentations become interactive. In other words, after you hear a keynote or a panel presentation, all the attendees who are there for free are able to uh, ask questions of the um, presenters and then hear the answers streamed live via our friends at Webmaster Radio. Oh, that's cool as hell. Very cool. Very cool idea. Um, now, is this the only kind of trade show that you're involved in? Um, actually, uh, Ecom Expo uh, is just one of a number of shows that our sister company, which is InExpo, www.inxpo.com, puts on. So they're the providers of the technology. They do the hard part. They put on this kind of show in other industries, ranging from food to hardware and everything in between. And um, so they do other types of virtual shows like this for other industries? They do, and um, what's interesting is that whereas the e-commerce space is sort of an obvious place to have a virtual trade show, they've actually been able to pull this off in spaces that you would never think of it. So I think it speaks to the fact that as great as traditional events like ad tech and SES are, at the end of the day, they're expensive, they're a hassle, um, and so to be able to get almost all the benefit of those shows while in your pajamas at home for free uh, is pretty compelling, whether it's in e-commerce or in some of these other industries. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And how have you gone about marketing this event? Um, you know, because it's such a unique event. What's the? Are, are you doing? What are you doing to market the event? Well, so uh, to market to attendees, which is our focus right now, uh, we do all the normal things you would expect from a trade show in terms of direct mail and email marketing and website marketing and radio interviews and press releases. Our secret sauce, though, is though we give each of our 180 exhibitors or whatever the number ends up being a link that they send out to their audiences, whether it be their customers or their affiliates or their prospects or their coworkers. That link gets everybody into the show for free. So we effectively have an army of 180 other entities with these huge lists sending out a link saying, we're exhibiting or presenting at this crazy virtual trade show, and you can now attend for free. So that's really the secret sauce. Right, right. That's a great idea. And, uh, of course, you're at, the, you're at the other trade shows marketing your trade show. I mean, I've seen you at, uh, you're at the Affiliate Summit, and you're, at, uh, and you're at Webmaster World, and you're at the SESs, and you're, you're marketing the hell out of it that way, and uh, more and more people are signing up. Yep, it's, it, that's where, of course, we met, and that's where we market for exhibitors. So I go up to the existing exhibitors, typically at the end of the second day when their feet are sort of sore and they're thinking about the 20 grand it cost them to get out there by the time they're all said and done, and I talk to them about a way to supplement that experience by being an exhibitor at my event. And uh, with very few exceptions, once they actually understand what the heck it is I'm talking about, um, they're like, sign me up. Yeah. And I and I you know I talked to like four or five companies that were there and they all said yeah it was definitely well well worth it and um, you know I talked to people that attended it and most and also exhibitors and they were just completely satisfied with the event thought it was cool as hell and um, you know and they've all signed back up again uh, for this year I guess yeah um, we have an incredible renewal rate and uh, as happy as we are with how excited exhibitors and presenters are with our event at the end of the day it's about adding value to attendees because if you bring attendees then it becomes easy to get exhibitors and presenters and so the fact that the show is completely free the fact that you can do it online from your PC the fact that you don't have to stay there for the whole three days we have people who just you know come for 10 or 15 minutes um, the fact that we've got all this incredible educational content uh, also, the fact that there's these incredible prizes. Most of the booths will be giving away prizes from within their booth. We've had people give away incredible prizes. Last time we had a trip to Tokyo 
as a prize. And so these are some of the reasons uh, uh, that I would encourage folks to register now at www.ecomxpo uh, before they forget about it. And uh, if they win a prize, I want them to let me know about it. All right, definitely. Um, now, do you envision this becoming like the trade show platform of the future, this type of a trade show event? I mean, we're all now emailing instead of using snail mail. Uh, are people going to be going to virtual trade shows instead of real trade shows, you think? Well, it's, you know, it's a great question, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a typical one we get asked. And ultimately, we don't see this as a replacement to the traditional trade show. We see it as a supplement um, because at the end of the day, there's no substitute for shaking someone's hand or waiting in line with them or getting them drunk yeah, um, and, you know, <laughs> sharing the pasta at lunch. There's just no way we can touch that. And although we're doing some incredible things to get closer and closer to that experience, like video chat and things like this, at the end of the day, we certainly won't replace it. And that's actually why we've been able to partner with incredible firms like AdTech and Affiliate Summit and Internet Retailer and Shop.org, all of whom have incredible in-person traditional trade events, and yet they are actually sponsoring our events. So we're very proud uh, to announce on this show that we've been able to do something that nobody else has been able to do, which is to get other traditional events sponsoring our event. And the reason they're willing to do that is that they recognize that we're not competitive but, in fact, we're a great complement to their traditional shows. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And because they're a sponsor, they're getting, they're getting some good PR there as well and also getting um, their name in front of, the, uh, of an audience of 7,000 attendees. Exactly. So one of our visions is for an attendee like an SEO or, or a domainer or a webmaster to be able to come to our event, and in addition to all the things I've hopefully already tried to describe, they would be able to see these other traditional events um, go into their booths and find out that AdTech is at these different times in these different cities and their new one-day impact series and all the rest of it and actually register right there uh, for that event. So uh, it's very much a uh, win-win relationship. That's great. Now, take us back a little bit now uh, from your sales uh, experience and, and getting this kind of a concept off the ground. You know, we try to, to have everybody learn something on this, uh, on this broadcast every single week, and um, I'd like to take people through what you learned to be successful and what you failed on in terms of getting a concept like this to be accepted in the marketplace and something that people actually will put down money to both exhibit uh, or, you know, and, and, and to sponsor. Um, take us through a little bit of a, you know, education on some business stuff for those that uh, want to learn how to get their concepts up to market, you know, out to the market and have people buy into their, uh, to their ideas. Absolutely. Well, uh, the first thing I'll say, it's been really very hard, um, and there's no substitute for hard work. But at the end of the day, uh, more than hard work, it's you need to have a great idea. And great ideas come from identifying needs in the marketplace that are not being satisfied by the current solution. And so as great as traditional trade shows are, the reality is is that there aren't as many exhibitors uh, as there could be. There aren't as many attendees as there could be. And it's a hassle. And the reason is because of all the costs and issues associated. And so we identified that you could approximate uh, that kind of experience with an online virtual approach. So in that sense, it was apparently a good idea uh, that then just needed to be marketed well. And so our particular approach was to go to all the traditional events, meet with all the key players, form strategic alliances with what we would call lighthouse individuals, whether those be key presenters or key exhibitors, uh, visionaries within the market. Once we got them on board, then there was sort of a, um, a mentality by all the uh, you know 
other players in the market saying, well, if Kevin Lee is doing this, maybe I should do it, or if Google and Yahoo are doing it, maybe I should do it, or if they had 5,287 attendees at their last event, maybe I should go to that next one. So we used very much a, you know, secure the visionaries in the space strategy to then have people want to follow. The other thing we've tried to leverage is this whole word of mouth thing. And so um, the secret sauce that I shared before, Monty, about giving our exhibitors uh, a link that they could then send out to their tens of thousands of prospects or customers um, is an example of trying to um, use what I'll call guerrilla marketing, given that we've had a very limited uh, marketing budget. And so we've created converts within the marketplace who had a following who then did the marketing for us. Um, So those would be some of the lessons learned. I I will say, though, that um, it's been very hard, and I don't recommend it to everyone. Right. Now, I mean, what are some of the what are some of the failures in terms of getting this concept that you've learned from and that you've uh, been able to, you know, grow and change your direction from? Like, what is there? What what should you definitely not do? Um, so, I would say the biggest failure is we underestimated how hard it would be. So, for example, um, I said earlier that the most important thing is to have a great idea, and because if you have a great idea, all you have to do is you know add some hard work and a little bit of luck, and great things happen. So starting out with the great idea is the first thing. The problem was that our great idea was such an outrageous idea, i.e. <laughs> that you could you know, get folks to exhibit and attend and present at a virtual trade show from their computers in their you know, underwear or pajamas uh, was so out there. It was almost in some ways too out there. Uh, and it took us more effort to convince folks than we really expected. And so I guess uh, the failure would be that we have not figured out how to easily um, convey the message of a virtual trade show. And as a result, our sales cycles are longer and uh, marketing is hard um, and all the rest of it. I will say it's gotten easier uh, now that the event has been so successful and everyone seems to be talking about it. Right, right. Yeah, I guess, when you, when, like you said, when you find out that this person's speaking and, and this company's here so we should be there and, and, and then you hear people speaking about how successful it is, uh, and you want to get those people talking because uh, when the word gets out that God this is you know something this is a great revolution this is a great idea and and plus the fact where you can you can actually do a trade show from your office not have to fly your staff out you know uh, put them put them in hotels overnight and airline tickets and booth set up and all that other stuff you still have to set up a booth but it's kind of virtual um, those are all big advantages as long as you have a crowd and you have people that are going to be coming into your booth. Absolutely. So it's, you know, to have folks like Moniker and Yahoo and MSN and Performix and Ask.com and LookSmart and, and 160 others uh, who have actually finally agreed to do this is very rewarding. And uh, again, a, a great idea, hard work, um, and partnering with folks like you and with, you know, Brandy and Darren at Webmaster Radio have been so incredibly supportive. You know, picking your partners well and then treating them right, uh, I would say that has helped us quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Now, on the convention floor, um, how do you have it set up? Is there multiple levels? How do you ensure that each of the booth spaces are getting a good flow of traffic? Um, walk us through a kind of a, a guide on how people are going to enter into the doors, where they're going to go, are they going to see a menu of uh, you know a menu of events and and uh, where booths are, and then be able to go right there. Walk us through how how that's all going to kind of function. 
Absolutely. It's a great question. Again, we find it so hard to really convey it, even though you asked the question very clearly. Uh, I suspect my answer will leave people wanting, and so that's why we've invested a fair amount of time and money in creating a, a virtual tour that's on our website. And so for folks who are still confused after my answer, I would encourage them to uh, turn their speakers on and go to that URL and uh, take two minutes, because it will actually show you the answer to your question. But what I would say is that if you come to the event, what you'll see is that there's two main floors. One main floor is focused on the search marketing space, uh, and that's where you know folks like Yahoo and MSN and Google and Ask and uh, those types of folks have been, as well as firms like Bruce Clay and iProspect and others who have been exhibitors at our event in the past. There's also another floor, that's the affiliate marketing floor, um, and that's where folks like LinkShare and CJ and Performix and CPA Networks uh, have all exhibited in the past. And those are the two floors where the sponsors are housed. And there's about 20 sponsors on each of those two floors. Uh, it's very visual, and it's easy to just click on their logo, and you go into their booth, and once you're within their booth, you're able to click on more information uh, some of which might be available on their website, some of which which is custom. But what makes it a trade show is that those booths are staffed. So if I've gone to the Yahoo booth and I've self-served myself on the content in their booth, um, I can then see that Lindsay is uh, staffing the booth and she's got a nice picture of herself. And I click on her icon and I see a little bit of a profile of her, her bio, her personal message, and then I can choose to interact with her live using instant message chat email, I can exchange my business card, I can Skype, or I can pick up the phone. And so in this way, uh, it becomes a networking frenzy. We actually had over 170,000 chat sessions at our last event. And wow. so That's a lot. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. We have people with six or seven chat rooms or chat sessions open at the same time. They get mad at me, their fingers are tired, uh, and all the rest of it. Um, so those are the two sponsor floors. The, the remainder of the exhibitors are on our directory tree. Uh, that are also easy to find. You can search for folks based on keywords, like I want to see everyone who's a merchant or a SEM type. And then separate from that, there's the prize center where you can see how you're doing with winning lots of exciting prizes. And then finally, there's the education center where you can very easily see the types of sessions by industry leaders that you normally would have to pay at least a grand if you went to Webmaster World or AdTech or SES. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um so the dates of the show are from April 4th to April 6th. Uh, what are the hours of operation? So it's effectively a 24 by 7 show once it opens up the morning of the 4th. Um, and again, people can come and go as they please. And if they sign up now, um, then they'll get a reminder and be able to log in. And uh, I really look forward to feedback from folks. And I really want to thank you for the opportunity to be on your show and to Moniker for being a, an important sponsor of our event. Well, that's great. Well, John, we wish you the best, and we definitely look forward to the event. Uh, uh, Victor is uh, handling that for us, and he already created a cool flash presentation for our uh, for our booth. And uh, we have all hands on deck. We have six, six people that will be attending the show uh, from our offices and uh, and working the show floor. It should be very interesting. It'll be our first time. Great. Thank you very much, and good luck to your audience. Hey, thank you very much, and thanks for being my guest on uh, Domain Masters. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, uh, I want to thank uh, my guests again, uh, Romero Canales and, uh, and also John Grosshandler, um, uh, two innovative guys and uh, definitely uh, uh, have some key points in, in our industry that can help us learn something. I do suggest that everybody give, uh, give the uh, Ecom Expo a try. It's free. 
Um, you're going to see a ton of companies there. You're going to be able to see presentations, uh, you know, listen to keynote speakers, um, and get a lot of content from that. So I highly recommend it. We're going to be there. We're going to be giving away free domain names and uh, some other great prizes, a chance to win a cruise um, uh, to uh, the Caribbean. Um, so uh, we look forward to seeing everybody there. And I'm going to wrap up this week, uh, get back on my pain meds, because uh, they've been wearing off <laughs> through my show. And uh, I will have another great show uh, scheduled for next week. I was supposed to be on vacation next week with my family, but due to my back injury, I'm not allowed to fly. So I'm sending my family on their family vacation, and I'm going to be uh, operating uh, probably from home again. So um, with that, I will let everybody go. Have a great week. Uh, again, email me at monty at moniker.com if you have any uh, comments or feedback about the show. Uh, we'll have the archives up from last week uh, in a couple days. Uh, one of my guys is out of town on vacation, so he, he's the one that's in charge of that. He'll have the archives up. But you can always go to webmasterradio.fm and get the archives from last week. We had a great show last week with uh, um, Ari uh, Bame and uh, um, uh, God, I can't remember who else we had. Oh, Doug uh, from uh, Page Mill Partners and had a great show on that. So anyway, I'll let you go. Have a great week. Be the master of your domain. Take care.